a young man approached the foreman of a forestry crew asking for work. That depends, said the foreman. Let's see you fell this tree. And the young man stepped forward with axe in hand and skillfully felled a huge tree. You can start on Monday, said the foreman. Monday rolled by and Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, the young man worked very hard. But Thursday afternoon, the foreman came to the young man and said, you can pick up your paycheck on the way out. Well, the young man was surprised. He said, oh, I thought payday was Friday. The foreman said, well, normally it is, but I'm letting you go. You've fallen behind. Our felling charts show that you dropped from first place on Monday to last today. But the young man, he was very concerned and he objected and said, I'm a hard worker. I arrive first and I leave last. I even work through Smoko. And sensing the young man's integrity, the foreman asked for a moment, have you been sharpening your axe? And the young man said, no, I haven't had time to do that. I'm too busy. Journeying through Mark's Gospel this morning, we move from the gloom of Jesus' hometown rejection and the death of John the Baptist into the brightness of another miracle, in fact, a run of miracles. Today it's the feeding of 5,000. Now, to help organise and focus our thoughts, there are four areas that we'll look at. We're going to look at the concern of Jesus, the compassion of Jesus, the patience of Jesus, and finally, the power of Jesus. And that will help focus our thoughts as we look at the feeding of the 5,000. So first, to the concern of Jesus. And we see that as we come to Mark chapter 6, verse 30. The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all that they had done and taught. Then because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, Come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. Now Jesus had sent the twelve disciples out in pairs to preach the good news, heal the sick and cast out demons. Now the twelve had returned to Capernaum and are reporting back to Jesus, but they're struggling to find a spare moment. You see, and not for the first time, the house where they were staying had become a revolving door of people coming and going. Back in Mark chapter 1 verse 33 we were told the whole town gathered at the door. In chapter 3 we saw that Jesus' family couldn't even get through the door because the crowds were inside the house. And it's happened again. And having just returned from an intense time of mission, Jesus is concerned for his disciples and their well-being. I mean there's not even enough time to get something to eat. So this pace, this workload has become unsustainable for the disciples. But Jesus has a plan, verse 31. Come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So in short time, Jesus has the disciples in a boat and they're setting off on a retreat. Some time out with Christ. It's a good thing to do. And this brings us to our first take-home for today. An encouragement to manage our busyness. Uh, Like the young forest worker, Sometimes, in fact often for some of us, we get so busy we don't take time to sharpen our axe. Today in 2019, everyone seems busier than ever, but less happy than ever. Why is this? Could it be that we've forgotten to know how to stay sharp? 
There's nothing wrong with activity and hard work, but God doesn't want us to get so busy that we neglect the important things in life, like taking time to pray, taking time to study and reflect on scripture, to listen to that small, still voice of God. Uh, We all need time to relax, to think and meditate, to learn and to grow. If we don't take time to sharpen our axe, we will become dull and lose our effectiveness. If we don't, we'll either flame out, burn out, or fade out if we don't take time to sharpen the blade. So here, not only do we see a lovely concern that Jesus has for disciples, but we're encouraged to be intentional about spending time with him, to rest, restore, keep our axe sharp. And now we move to the compassion of Jesus. Verse 33. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. But many who saw them leaving recognised them and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And here we have an almost amusing picture of people sadly standing on the wharf watching Jesus and the disciples depart. They're disappointed because the greatest show in town is leaving. Some would have been disappointed because they were still unwell or they had a loved one unwell and Jesus was their only answer. But then as the boat departs, they realise the boat's not heading out into the middle of the lake like it did last time, that it's actually hugging the shore. And they work out that they can actually run along the shoreline and keep up with the boat. And so they do. We have this picture of this boat sailing along parallel to the shore and people running along and the crowd growing bigger. Maybe Peter nudged to John and said, I think we should have stayed in Capernaum. Because when they get to a secluded bay where they were going to have a retreat, it's secluded no longer. There's a crowd waiting for them. But Jesus is undeterred, not at all. He is filled with compassion as he looks out and sees sheep without a shepherd. And this is such a lovely image, isn't it? Christ as our wonderful shepherd, the good and the great shepherd, moved by compassion. And this phrase, sheep without a shepherd, is actually a quote from Moses. And so after 40 years of leading God's people in the wilderness, Moses is told by God to get his affairs in order because he's not going into the promised land. And so Moses prays, and he prays for God's people. In Numbers 27, 17, he prays to God, asking God to raise someone who will go out, one who will lead them out and bring them in, so the Lord's people will not be like sheep without a shepherd. And Moses' prayer is answered. Initially, God raises up Joshua to lead the people into the promised land. But also here, Moses' prayer is answered in a true and a better way. Jesus is the one who will lead God's people. Jesus is the shepherd so that God's people can hear his voice and follow him. And this image of Christ as a wonderful shepherd plays through, runs through both the Old and the New Testament. In Isaiah chapter 40, verse 11, I read this earlier in the service, Isaiah the prophet is talking about the Messiah who will come. And uh, verse 11, he tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those that have young. And this is the Messiah. In a similar vein, Jesus himself describes himself as a shepherd. He describes his ministry as seeking after lost sheep. 
In the parable in Luke 15, Jesus talks about a shepherd who has a hundred sheep. And then from verse 4, does not he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbours together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. And so Jesus is the good and the great shepherd, our wonderful shepherd. But now as we see this, he does something quite unusual. You'd think that after having sort of this gut-level compassionate response to the lost and the harried, Jesus would give the equivalent of a group hug to the crowd. Some therapy of some kind, some feel-good. But instead, verse 34, so he began teaching them many things. He taught them what he'd been teaching them all along. He was teaching them the good news, the kingdom of God is near. He was teaching them to repent and turn back to God. He was teaching them with parables and with stories. And he taught them because John 10, 27, he describes himself, Jesus describes himself as a shepherd and he says, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand. Isn't that a wonderful image of Jesus, the good shepherd? My sheep listen to my voice, and I know them. And this is what Jesus is doing here with the crowd. He is teaching them. They hear his voice, and they respond. And it's a reminder that though we have many needs and all kinds of wants, man does not live by bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of God. Matthew 4.4. It's a reminder that God's word is light and life to us, even in the context of hunger. It's a reminder of the priority Jesus placed on teaching, even when he faced a hungry crowd of 5,000. And it also leads into Jesus showing his patience to his disciples. Now think of the disciples, physically, emotionally, spiritually drained from their mission trip, and their busyness in Capernaum, and they're hanging out for some R&R with Jesus. But when they've arrived, they were frustrated to find a crowd, one that had been growing during the day. I mean, there must have been at least four, 5,000 heaps. It's getting late, the disciples are hungry, and I sort of wondered as I was looking at this as if they were a little bit grumpy. I know in our household, you know, around dinner time, if the men in the house don't get food, but he gets a little bit grumpy. Maybe that's just my household. Verse 35. By this time it was late in the day, so that his disciples came to him. This is a remote place, they said, and it's already very late. Send the people away so that they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. Ah, yes, I think they're definitely a little on the grumpy side. And one of the ways we know this is the way they are talking to Jesus. That is no way for a disciple to speak to his master, for a pupil to speak to his teacher. I mean, by these standards alone, students do not tell their master what to do, let alone if the master is a son of God. If you're a servant, you don't tell your owner how to behave and when to do things. It's like they're saying, hey Jesus, time to stop teaching. We're hungry, they're hungry, we know best. Get rid of the crowd and then we'll sit down and have a feed. Now, Jesus would have been in his full rights to put them in their place. He could have said, don't you hate me? 
Remember who you are. Remember who I am. Settle down. But he doesn't. Notice the patience of Christ. He turns their grumpiness into a teaching opportunity. Verse 37, I imagine he says this with a smile too. But he answered, you give them something to eat. Now this is a big ask, isn't it? A huge ask. In fact, it's an impossible ask. Feed this many? Well, the disciples are forever practical and they do the maths and then they explain the maths to Jesus. We haven't the cash. And even if we did, where would we purchase enough food for all these people? Undeterred, Jesus asked them to take stock. And we can almost hear the I told you so in the disciples' voice when they say, we've only got five loaves and a couple of fish. We told you so, Jesus. It's not enough. And in all this, we notice the dullness of the disciples and the patience of Jesus. You'd think the disciples would know better. They're just back from an amazing mission where they'd been healing and casting out demons in Jesus' name. They're just back from that. They'd seen these miracles, but greater miracles at the hands of Jesus. So I don't know if you do, but when I'm reading Mark, often I'll think to myself to the disciples, come on, get your act together. This is Jesus. But in many respects, we are similar. We've seen the power of God in the Bible. We've heard and known people who have experienced the power of God in their lives. And even we have been blessed abundantly in so many ways. And yet when push comes to shove, we are embarrassed by the weakness of our faith. And this brings us to the inexhaustible patience of Jesus. For when we are weak, he is strong. Jesus, our wonderful shepherd, understands our weakness, understands our tiredness, our distractibility, our to-do list which just rolls out the door. And he's very patient. But he's not patient and says to us, there, there, I understand, and leaves us. He's not like that at all. No, he's patient so that the Holy Spirit can nudge us, can direct us, sometimes even give us a kick in the backside and increase our faith. Do you see the difference? It's not, I'm patient with you and you just carry on doing what you're doing. It's, I'm patient with you. How can I move you to a stronger faith? And that's the patience of Christ. And that's what we see him doing exactly here as we move from the patience of Christ to the power of Christ. Verse 39. Then Jesus directed them to have all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties. Now, with a previous reference to sheep without a shepherd, our minds are are ready for this reference to green grass. Now, Mark's a very good storyteller, and he keeps his stories to the barest details. So when he does include a detail like this, your radar should go up and say, well, why does he reference the green grass? Well, it's an allusion to another famous story or reference to a shepherd that you'll find in Psalm 23. From verse 1, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down where? In green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. And why does a shepherd guide sheep to green pastures, to green grass? To feed the sheep. Why does Jesus ask the 5,000 to be seated on the green grass? So that he can feed them. Just as he has fed them with the word of God, he now feeds them with bread and fish. 
verse 41. Taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to his disciples and set before the people. He also divided the two fish among them all. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken bread and fish. The number of men who were eaten was 5,000. And in this feeding, we see the power of Christ. Not only his power, but also a revelation of who Jesus is. For not only there a strong reference to Jesus as the great shepherd, the wonderful shepherd, but also there's the realisation that Jesus is the true and the better Moses. Moses who fed God's people in the wilderness. Back in the Pentateuch, back in Numbers, back in Exodus, Moses prayed to God in the wilderness and God fed the Israelites with manna and with quail. But now here the true and the better Moses feeds the people in the wilderness with bread and fish. And the phrasing Mark chooses very carefully, especially around verse 41, and it has images of the Last Supper, the looking up to heaven, the giving thanks, the breaking of the bread, the distribution, the broken loaves that were collected by the disciples. So even in this wonderful miracle, the shadow of the cross and the Christ's body broken for us lingers here in the green fields. And so what can we say? This morning we've looked at the concern of Christ, his concern for his disciples, and we're encouraged because Christ likewise is concerned for us. And there was that encouragement, that reminder that we need to keep our axe sharp. And the only way we can do that is spend time with Christ. And we've looked at the compassion of Jesus, and we rejoice that we are not sheep without a shepherd, that we have the good and wonderful shepherd who looks for the lost. And some of you might be like that. Some of you may have this day feel that you have wandered from Christ. You're not as close as you used to be. The busyness, the distractions, maybe a hurt that has come into your life. And Jesus today is saying, I came and I died for you. He happily leaves the 99 others and is looking for you. And today, today Christ says, come back to me. I am your good and great shepherd, the wonderful shepherd who longs to pick you up, put you across my shoulders and carry you back to the banqueting table. So that's a word for some folk here today. Christ is our great and wonderful shepherd who will always have compassion on you. And this led into the patience for the disciples. And like the disciples, we are often dull. (laughs) We are often not sharp. (laughs) But God is so patient with us. Patient not to say, there, there, I feel sorry for you, but to say, come on, pick up your game. I can help you. I can show you. I will give you the Holy Spirit. Let's cut some of these trees down. Christ's patience is for our blessing and our growth in faith. And finally, we've seen the power of Christ who performed this wonderful, amazing miracle. And in this miracle, we are helped to understand who is Jesus. For those that have been here regularly, we know that Mark is always asking us in every story, in every verse, who is Jesus? Make up your mind. Who is he? And today we've seen that Jesus is the true and the better Moses. The true and the better Moses who 
fed the people in the wilderness and feeds us today in our wilderness. And Jesus is also the good and the great and the wonderful shepherd who delights to look for and find the lost sheep. We delight in the fact that he has found us and there are people here today that Christ would love to pick up in his arms and carry back to the Father heart of God. Let's pray.